All right, everybody. Welcome back to Feeling Your Passion podcast. We're on episode 14 already. Time is, that's actually crazy, I think. Episode 14, we started this in May um, every other week, and you guys keep tuning in. So pretty pumped. We have, I don't want to pick favorites, but one of my favorite in-house employees, (laughs) Phil Chadwick here. Phil is our events coordinator, but outside of that role, Phil does so much for the brand. So Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Stoked to have you in here, buddy. You and I have a fun little story. We ride together all the time. Yep. We, you left me for the track. You were an enduro guy. <laughs> and then you went to the motocross track. But um, yeah, within your time at 509, we kind of hit it off right away. And this was this has been your kind of first gig in this industry, huh? Uh, it has. Yep. Uh, Without a doubt. Y- Born, no, nope. born and raised here. Nope. Born and raised Utah? Nope. Born and, where, where the hell are you from? <laughs> I thought we were good friends. I thought you should know this. <laughs> Starting off the bat wrong. Where are you originally from? So I was born and raised in Seattle. My parents had government jobs. So I oh, that's lived. Right. Yep. See, I just need to jog my memory. All over the country. Yeah. So. But the main thing is you came back to this area and you started at 509, um, kind of green to the industry you were a sledder but for you I, I kind of want with the viewers to hear people have heard my story people have heard our athlete story is what it was like for you finding an opportunity to work in the snow industry and then we'll unhatch that obviously because it, it evolved into what it is today which is nothing like it was when you started but right moving home or back to this area and trying to get yourself in the door in the industry yeah so it was crazy situation um I shouldn't say crazy but just how it all came about like I said I've lived over all over the country my entire life I went to three different high schools I've lived in Virginia Maryland Oklahoma Uh, I was born in Seattle I finished high school at Mount Spokane after that um I was like really into snowboarding progressing thought I was good moved to Park City Utah Found out I wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) I lived there for 10 years. I met my wife, Alicia, when I was back home in Spokane. So I have family here. And we were just visiting. We hit it off, started dating, living in Utah. And then we got married, first kid on the way. And we decided we wanted to be close to family for the upbringing of our single kid at the time, too, now. Uh, So we moved back to Washington State. Well, first it was Coeur d'Alene. Um, we were living there and I knew a coworker here, actually two of them, uh, Cody and Ronnie, and I was just looking for a job. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was, you know, in Park City, I was working at a, actually at the resort at a snowboard and ski shop and I'd bartend at night. I was a restaurant manager. So I've had all sorts of different jobs right. like, throughout my life. But always interacting with people. Always interacting yeah. with people. Um, Definitely, like, not behind a computer at all. Right. Um, and, and living in Utah, like I said, sorry, I'm jumping around, but it'll this will go all good. full You're circle. Um, living in Utah, snowboarding all the time, wanted to get into the backcountry. So a friend and I, package deal, we bought two snowmobiles and a trailer. Had no <laughs> idea what, like, to expect or anything. We did take our level one Abbey class right off the bat so that was like good on us like we were trying to be proactive everyone should do that by the way if you haven't um 
get out there first time and it's like all this snowboard gear like oh we're gonna go build a jump and did not happen maybe we made it a couple miles from the trailhead and just like (laughs) really large learning curve and then the second time I went out I actually totaled my sled hadn't even made a payment on it yet good track record right hell of an introduction to the sport (laughs) yeah I had a 03 Summit 700 ZX then ZX chassis big old trailing arms oh yeah yeah yep um, so that's kind of what got me into it. And then I took it to a shop in Utah, CPI, and they like torched the front bulkhead uh, to heat it up, pulled it four inches out with a truck, <laughs> bolted it back together, you're good to go, like sled fix. So you told me that a while, like not that long ago. And looking back at that, that is not the way no <laughs> a place would be we'd be doing that now like and structural integrity out the door oh yeah yeah 100 percent total they're like no one would touch <laughs> it they're like oh yeah we'll fix it for you <laughs> i was stoked man yeah so started riding and then went to a rev chassis and just started the more i progressed the more i was leaving my snowboard behind and i was like falling in love with this new sport like yeah. addicted to progression you see a lot of that and yeah and it was like you know next thing you know on my next sled I wasn't even bringing my snowboard anymore. I just wanted to ride my sled. Yeah. And then fast forward, we moved back to the Northwest and I was like, I'll hit up Ronnie and see if there's any open positions. Like I didn't call 509. I hit him up. He's like, oh, maybe he's like, here's a link. Go apply here. I applied. Didn't think to like go on the website, which I should have first. Um, And then applied, had a few interviews. Didn't think I was going to get the job at all. Like, no experience and ended up getting a job and haven't looked back. Like I've been so stoked to be here. I remember the first day seeing you (laughs) ratty haired snowboard hippie. I walk into your office to get introduced and you're like leaning back on your phone (laughs) and you like barely look up. You're like, Hey, I'm like, sweet. That guy's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. And the C word's gone now. Mm -hmm. Oh God. That's funny. Um, yeah, it's, you started a, I mean, the company's growing ever, ever growing just fast. You started at, I think right when things started to like really take off. So yeah. it was kind of a learning curve. You were like thrown into the fire. Didn't you start like in the fall almost? No, nope, I started. So I moved back from Utah, uh, July 1st. Right. And I think I had the job by the end of July. Right. So either way, though, you had a month till heydays, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that was heydays. And then you and I did a video premiere in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. And was our first so no, it wasn't experience. before heydays. The first thing was, or was it? No, it was the video premiere and then heydays, right? Yeah. Because it was early that year. Yeah. Gosh, we've been and, so many places. I and, can't. The, and then they were like, okay, you and David are going to do a video premiere in Minnesota. I'm like, what about the rest of everyone? Yeah. <laughs> like, who are we working with here? Yeah. No, that's a perfect segue, though. Um, it's you guys all come to these shows. We appreciate the hell out of it. You go to Heydays. You go to any of the snow shows, Novi, Toronto, all this stuff in the West, Denver, Salt Lake. And the behind the scenes of making these events happen and bless your heart, Phil. I mean, you got a, you got a family, two kids, and you manage it all very well. But the amount of time on the road, everything. I mean, I I, I know it fairly well, but I kind of want to know your breakdown to really, for everybody listening, what goes into before you go to a show, from doing a transfer order, getting gear on the thing, like 
maybe prime example the fall um, we went back to back from moto event switch the whole rig over to snow drive across the country make sure inventories counted everything fuel stops hotels are all ready to go like there's so much to it for you guys to show up and then just meander into the booth and say what's up and and carry on like to get to that point is insanity yep um so yeah i'll touch on that but i'm gonna back up just a little bit to since we're talking about like this year and, and all the trade shows so we were the title sponsor for a 13 round motocross series the last race was actually a three day race and i say five days because driving there and then the three day race and then driving back ends up being five days so that was over labor day weekend home for one day then you and I drove to Minnesota for heydays and then work that. So that's about a week because we have to get there set up and then back. I was home for six days and then flew to New York for that show. Drove from New York to New Hampshire for the show the following weekend. Flew back home. Was home for, I think, another 10 days and then flew to Finland <laughs> for that show. Uh, I got back last Monday and now the Spokane shows this weekend. The following weekend is Nampa show. So it's like yeah, organized chaos right now in my life. Yeah. Um, as far as like what goes into like the logistics and like from start to finish, like I want to say August into July, I start, we start having, even beginning of July, we start having meetings about heyday. So then we know that the fall like fall tour is like our biggest time for snowmobiling. It's, you know, kickoff everywhere. Everyone's getting hyped. Everyone's starting to see snow a little bit, colder temps. Um, But we start talking about it far before that. And then we place an order. um, And sorry, I'm still jumping around. We've moved to Sullivan. So if any of you guys that are local haven't come into our shop, definitely come check it out. Like super cool experience center. Actually, when this airs, so this will air on Tuesday, the next day, the Experience Lab will be open. Nice. So if you guys are listening, you're in the area. Tomorrow, which is not actually tomorrow while we're recording this, <laughs> but tomorrow <laughs> while you're listening to this, you guys can come in and check out the new, the new shop. It's pretty sweet. So continue, uh, Phil. <laughs> so why I was saying that is because when we used to be off of Arrow Road, our warehouse was right there. Yeah. So I could put in an order. I could go out to the warehouse, start building that order for heydays. Now that we have a 3PL warehouse, it's like a whole different ball game. I put the order in, then it gets shipped up here. I think it was 22 pallets worth of product. Um, as far as the units go, I, I don't even like thousands of units. Yeah. And that is, so pallets are, I put the order in, pallets arrive. Then I have to inventory it to make sure that what was pulled is accurate. And then after that's accurate, it's received. Then I help load the semi, or I guess I don't help. People help me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point to be at. Uh, So then it like goes into totes, labeled, everything. We load the semi, and this is like over the course of weeks. And then that kind of is like loaded up for tour. Yeah. And then heydays, like it's all an outdoor show. So like the awning for the semi, like everything we need, outdoor pop-up tents, things like that. And then the semi comes back, and we basically flip the trailer and pull out off, pull out all of the outdoor setup and put the indoor booth setup onto the trailer. And then it goes to stress. <laughs> <laughs> and, and throughout all that, there's another trailer. Yes. We have a 40 foot 
trailer that goes to the Western shows. <clears throat> when that one comes back, you know, that one has breaks, but like the semi is gone for like two months straight. Yeah. And there's coordinating the driver, everything being there, pulling into the shows at the right time and then flying in our help from sales team river for setup. Like there's just so much to be at those shows. Oh yeah. You're just like basically as far as like the large trip, we call it the East coast tour because that's where the semi goes is all on the East coast. Yeah. And we're basically like chasing it around in a rental car. And then the West coast tour call it the West, even though it's like Denver, Salt Lake, and then, you know, the shows in the Washington, Idaho area, uh, that's the 40-foot trailer that goes in smaller setup. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it can be stressful at times. And then making sure you have airfare, hotel, rental car, there's some, you know, things you, you got to be if, paying attention if to. If you ever bail on this, you should, like, be a tour manager for, like, some, like, like for Metallica or something. <laughs> Where can I go here? Yeah. I wonder how much of that would translate. I What we do and what you do, um, I think about that a lot when I, you know, we spend so much time on the road, you'll see tour buses go by, you know, different yeah. bands going to different places. And I start thinking about the logistics of that and have so much respect for those crews. Yeah. It, we're, I mean, we're small scale compared to them and it's still on a large scale to make what we have happen. Like it's not small by any means, but those guys like every single night of the year, driving across the country and like their teardown starts at 11 PM yeah, and then straight through the night and go like, I have so much respect for those guys after watching like what we do here. Yeah. It, I see some of them there where it like, you know, for in Finland, for example, like the whole lighting and everything that then they're like raising up to the rafters and all cabling and like setting up these giant LCD screens that are, you know, 10 yeah. feet by 10 feet and it's just yeah. a process brutal yeah the catch 22 to that the fun side is, is we've had some times on the road oh yeah yeah <laughs> and that's just talking about the fall tour for snowmobiling we didn't even talk about like you know after that's done then it's we've been to snow bike races we go to jackson hole for the hill climb we do hard enduro events we do the desert 100 yeah. we do moto events like there's still like that whole aspect of tour and travel I guess I shouldn't call it tour, but like trying to be, you know, supporting the people that support us. Yeah. Stay relevant in all fields. Totally. No, I'm glad you said that. Cause I get that question a lot and I'm sure you do too. People are like, well, what do you do in the summer then? You just, if you're just a snow guy, you know, you do with all this stuff, you just got like four months off and no, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it does not right. stop. And, and especially with us trying to push the moto stuff, if you guys haven't checked it out, I mean, we've been, trying to get after that industry and there's some cool stuff and there's some really cool new stuff coming out next year that I think we'll hopefully really put it on the map. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's lumped into that schedule now too. It used yep. to be, I'd say kind of when you first started is definitely a little more relaxed yep. when, in the summer months, but now it's 12 months a year. Yeah. And that was like, when I was hired, that was like the first thing we talked about is like, we want to expand our events from just this, time frame to year round yeah. and I mean I'm on the road 100 plus days out of the year super hard on my family but they understand that like I'm very passionate about my job I love being here I love working here speaking with all sorts of people that support our brand that are like consumed by snowmobiling or motorsports 
anything like yeah everyone is there to like have a good time and, and talk about it and it's great it is it is rewarding once you're set up for a show it's everybody's like mind you all right away when somebody comes to the door you have that mutual connection of snowmobiling or, or dirt biking whatever show you're at right so that's like common ground right off the bat so it's like so natural and easy to talk to people and i i love when we go places and people are like super stoked on the booth or whatever the new gear and everything because it's like a slight little pat on the back for the <laughs> 29 hours that went into it before of driving and set up and everything yeah but that, that's always fun i sometimes it becomes a drag you know i only do heydays in denver and uh salt lake because your whole team our whole team is scattered there's so many shows that overlap that's the other thing we should mention there's shows that overlap on east coast and west coast and so we got people working double duty that are scattered all over and I, you know, I'm in marketing and I'm doing some shows and I love them. And every time I'm going to them, it's kind of like, here we go again. And then the doors open and you're like, all right, this is fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. And for me, like it fills that void of traveling mind. I always enjoyed like traveling and seeing different things and being able to do that for a job now it fills that void of moving around my entire life to a new location. You know, yeah. I can go and check it out and it's, you know, we always try to find like cool, like things if we're driving to talk about or search. I mean, you and I have talked, you know, going to heydays or like you're going down to like Wyoming area. And it's like, we always talk about, Hey, you know, that like crazy building, it looks like it could have been a school or and a you saloon. Start Googling and, it. Totally. Yeah. And then like find out the history of it. And it's like cool things like that, that you get to experience that, is easily taken for granted. Yeah, yeah you kind of become, I, I turn into like a damn tour guide on some stretches because <laughs> I've done them so many times. The best is when like you'll be going to an event with someone and I'll call and I'll be like, oh, is, where are you at? Oh, is he talking about yeah. this? And like, so it's funny. And then they start laughing like, oh yeah, we just passed the smelter the stack and like out, you know, yeah. in Montana that we always <laughs> pass. And it's funny. Um, you and I have gone back and forth to heydays. How many years total? Four? Four. Four. Okay, I'm just thinking here. So eight total back and forths. Yeah. 20 times eight, 160. We've spent 160 hours at least just heydays and back in the truck together. That is, one second here. Let's just do some fun math. While you're doing that, I'm that is just under a full seven day week of nonstop in a truck, <laughs> going just to heydays, back and forth. You and I going a little insane. Oh yeah, the fuel stops that we have, and to all everyone listening out there, like, and you've seen like on the stories of us pulled over on the side of the road putting <laughs> diesel in the truck. It's like we've figured out like the gas stations we like to stop at with the good food. Um, or what, you know, yeah, what do you want to call what, good? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And if we have to make it, you know, another 20 or 30 miles to throw that pull over and pull, put that five gallons of diesel in versus making another stop at a gas station. And then it takes 30 minutes cause, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go in and yeah. get something to drink. It, it helps keep us moving without having to take so many stops. Also, I see people when we post that, cause it's tradition now, like mm -hmm. putting fuel in the side of the highway. We just, yeah. it happens every time. So many people reply and go, you guys need to get better at planning your fuel stops. <laughs> and I'm like, 
it then gets seven and a half miles of the gallon. Yeah. And a half a tank is like 80 miles to empty. Like we have fuel. It's just not efficient. That poor truck. I know that thing. Bless that truck's heart. Also, it's uh, a 2016 Cummins with 110,000 miles on it, and its whole life all tow miles has been towing like a 14,000 foot bumper pole trailer. Yep. Only one steel subframe. Yeah, steel, eight foot wide, eight foot tall. Yep. Oh god. And then in the winter time, it's just like pulling you know, twice that weight. Cause all the snow that kicks up yeah. underneath the skirt of it. And yeah, I was thinking back on some of my favorite times on the road. Um, and hey, of course, heyday stands out cause that's just, you get delirious. Yeah. And I want, I want to know, like those of you watching on YouTube to leave a comment after like hour 12 to 15, what do you do? Cause we start listening to stand up comedy and we've learned that we're so delirious that it can be a pretty bad stand-up routine, but it's hilarious to us because we've lost all sense of reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do that with other people, or is that just I you don't, and I? No, nope. it's usually music, some podcasts, but you know, I think that that's something that we always do every time we take a road trip somewhere, and like so, we'll put on you know satellite radio and go to. Comedy Central, and it'll be like the 90 second bits of all these different comedians. And then once we find one that we like, then we'll download their album and then start listening to it. And so it, it's a good uh, process we have. You know, <laughs> like, you listen to an average song that's three or four minutes, and you listen to like 20 of them. You're like, oh, we're making ground. And you look, and oh, it's been 47 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you listen to one stand up, then you kill two hours. Yep. The worst is when you're so far gone and just out of it, and you are listening to like, the same album within the same road trip yeah. of like a standup routine. And you're laughing at it the second time, even though you've already heard it. Yeah. That's when it's a real reality check that we're off our rocker and we've been staring out this windshield, but there's going to be guys that are saying, Oh, that's nothing. I drive big rig and all this stuff loaded down, but there's something Props about to them. Cause there's something about that truck and the way that thing bounces and everything. Yeah. You're just, you, you're so much more concentrated on the road. It's just draining airbags set at 80 PSI and just like feeling every bump. Um, yeah. And then recently you did it before, obviously we all had to deal with COVID, which was kind of an interesting topic in itself. The industry like fell apart, at least the tour side. It did. It did. And last year was kind of the first year of shows <laughs> and it was, I don't know. It was, there's something fun. Not that they're not fun, but it was like amplified fun. Cause everybody was so hyped to get yeah. back and do something and hundred percent it was um it yeah sorry to cut you off i'm good at that uh covid hit blah 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 you know we got grounded and couldn't go to any shows and that was about a year and then certain shows as long as it's outdoors there's like a whole new like you know rules and regulations that you had to abide by and it was crazy and then fast forward and it's like a, a year later and it's like okay like we're dealing with this, we're getting past it and everyone's like hungry to get back out there and interact and, you know, just feel, you know, like passionate about what you're into and being able to go out there and do that and talk to those people and not be just like, you know, yeah, it's like you were grounded for two years. I know that, that first year of coming back from it was like crazy at shows. It was so many people and they, I, some of them for sure were record attendance, but it was oh, good yeah. to see. Even this year has been good. Record attendance at uh, Epping this year. 
this year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, New Hampshire grass drags. Um, yeah, lo- you love to see it because you get worried when something like that happens, economy, everything, all these things. But I think people are so passionate about sledding that even if there is a possibility, even if people aren't buying stuff, they're still going to go out for the social aspect of it and be around what they love. And I, I was kind of expecting this year, especially with everything that's going on, to see things go down. But I feel like with the whole like that whole situation that people actually are getting into the sport um, because of the social aspect, because you can go out just like moto, you can go out and ride with your friends, but you're still, you know, you're isolated a little bit because you're not like riding on the same sled as them. You're, you each have your own unit for the most part. It's still an individual sport. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And, but you can go and be social and then you can still like, I I feel like when everything was kind of locked down, a lot of people were doing that because could go out you could feel safe do whatever go ride sleds go ride moto and it was all good yeah so i feel like a lot of people have gravitated towards that not only from that aspect that but you know you're starting to see a lot more of the like backcountry guys from resorts uh at least i am that are tired of the crowds at the resort and they want to experience the backcountry so then they're like you know maybe they start touring on skis or snowboard and then they're like you know i want to check out snowmobiles and and get into that, and I see the sport growing, and it's awesome. That and team sports suck. I ain't throwing a ball to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sorry, I, I just cannot do. I, I never was raised around it. My dad watched some football here and there, but I was like a motorhead through and through from day one. And I'm exact opposite. I was, I grew up playing soccer as a little kid, and then that went to baseball, basketball, football. Um, so I was. Involved in the team sports in high school. I pole vaulted, so that wasn't team. You pole vaulted? I did. Yeah. I feel like I've always been kind of like the things that I was, you know, passionate. I Passionate, maybe. Is that the right word yeah. to use? Like, I wasn't passionate. We'll, we'll go with passion. <laughs> okay. Final uh, answer. Wakeboarding. Like, so yeah. pole vaulting and then from that into wakeboarding, wakeboarding into snowboarding, snowboarding into snowmobiling. Um moto like the single track yeah you know that super fun but it just really like the things that checked the boxes for me was go like going all in at the track this year and you know i'm not trying to you know i'm definitely making up for lost time but like it's just to me it is very similar to snowmobiling and snowboarding yeah it's like railing a corner on a bike or like a downhill powder turn on a snowmobile or like you know, carving so hard on a snowboard that like you're flexing the board and you feel that like those are things that like, I don't know that I can't even describe it. It's so cool. The only time you lost was time of you and I together because you left me. You left the woods <laughs> and you went to the track. Yeah, I did. I, I'm a uh, first gear over the nastiest rock piles and now Phil's out there railing ruts and it's it's fun. Like, I don't know. I enjoy it. Uh, the like, dirt consistency. Single track, super fun, too. Don't get me wrong. We're going to go again sometime. We'll go. We'll go. We're I'll gonna, borrow your bike. Yeah, I was going to say, your bike's up for the track, and yep. I don't want to ruin that thing. It's okay. It's old. But, um, on The last thing I wanted to kind of mention on, on the show side was uh, traveling overseas for a show. Like, yeah. you just got back from Finland, yep. which is a whole other animal. I mean, you're nine-hour time difference, and you're, you're there. Ten. Ten? Nine in Helsinki, ten in Rovaniemi. That's like 
right at the Arctic Circle in Finland. Um, yeah, it's super fun. But you, but you fly there for like a day and a half of travel, and then is it instantly right into setup? Like, yep. Yeah. Was, on the way there, it was 20 hours flight time. That's not including layovers or time in the airport. And then, so we got in that night, well, like, I want to say like 30 hours to get there. And you're fast forwarding, so you're going to the future. Losing a day. (laughs) And then we get in that night, and then the next morning it was like, boom, set up, like have breakfast and go start setting up. How sick is that, though? Did you ever think you were going to have... No, it's a awesome. job where you're inter- going international now. Yeah, it's you know. Yeah, what's this? Sli- I've been there before, riding actually, but I've never been in a big group setting where you see all the sledders. What's like the overall vibe from the community there? It is honestly just like here, except for a different language. Yeah, and then like I've learned a few phrases, and you speak to them or say, "I don't understand." Can you speak in English? And the finish are super great and maybe like the older generation, they want to stick to speak and finish and they yeah. don't want to speak to you uh, in English, but like the kids and everyone, like they'll start speaking in English and asking their questions. And it's a very large part of their culture and community because they have snow over six months out of the year up there. Like it was yeah. snowing while we were there. Um, you know, they use it for, like not only is there free riding and stuff like that, but they're using it to get to point A to point B, you know, hauling things. Hunting, like, everything. There, yeah, yeah, totally. It's super fun going over there. I enjoy it. Um, it kind of reminds me of the way it's instilled in them. Snowmobiling, it kind of reminds me of like Alaska. Yeah. For a lot of those generate, it's a tool, right? And here it's a recreational device. It's, it is there as well, but... It like originated more of a tool, and I feel in the Mountain West, at least in the U.S., there wasn't much of the recreation phase, or sorry, the tool phase for snowmobiling. It was kind of because nobody was trying to get up to ten thousand feet and go trap, you know, in, right. in December. Yeah. Versus in Alaska, it's so off the grid, and you got lower valleys, and and same with Sweden, Finland, Norway, that whole area. It's just. It seems like there's a lot more history than there is like in the Western U.S. Yeah, we went to, so there's the, um, up in the Arctic Circle, uh, Santa Claus Village, and they have a snowmobile museum there. And I mean, I was sending you pictures yeah. of like these snowmobiles that are so old and should have read more about them so I could drop some, you know, was facts. It, was it in English? Uh, part, you know, <laughs> like you'd have it in Finnish and then in English. and But it was cool to see like those older, like, basically like the first snowmobiles. One of them was a, like a three-wheeler, just had a single ski with a super wide track. Yeah. You know, but they all had that like storage on the back of the tunnel to like haul things. Yeah. So. You gotta be bringing your caribou back to the yeah. family. Right. Reindeer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, work gnarly, everything you do, you kick Assville, Thank first you. of all. Um, but. It's a, definitely a team effort though, man. It's not, you can't, like, For sure, but still, give yourself some credit. <laughs> give yourself some credit. Um, the cool thing about you, there's a handful of us for sure. You know, you originally were a snowboarder, but when when you started here, you were heavy into sledding, and you're a sledder before all of this, which I think translates extremely well into how you interact with people and your relationship with the brand. And on top of that, you're like, you're kind of an ambassador for us as well. I mean... Yeah, you have a day job here, but 
you rep the hell out of it and you'll you'll go out of your way if it has nothing to do with work to still psych people up and or hype people up on 509 and, and do whatever you can to get people involved with the brand so that aspect of it's super cool f- for me to see because you know, I'm a, I'm a sledder before all of this too. And to see a fellow sledder get into a role in the industry and you can see the passion of sledding, like kind of trump everything else you do for your day-to-day job. It, it, it's a decision maker. And a lot of the stuff we do is like kind of your outlook on snowmobiling and your passion for it. Right. Yeah. I would, you know, every job has its, you know, hard days and, and difficult times. But at the end of the day, like to be in an industry like this and be surrounded by these people and like just consumed in snowmobiling and, and moto, it's so awesome. And like anytime, like I'm having a hard day, I just think about like how blessed I am that I'm in an industry that I absolutely love, you know, like, and to what you're saying, like, first of all, thank you. And like, I mean, you've invited me out on photo shoots before. And like, to me, like that is like where it's at. Like, I feel so stoked that I'm like a part of it more than just like a job, a nine to five job that like you, you know, have invited me and like, you know, gone out and gone to some super cool zones to ride and like been included in the athlete side of things, which is really awesome. Um, But yeah, it's, I think I enjoy talking to people at the shows and, whether it's like a trade show or any other event that we're doing for me coming from a snowboard background and having to figure things out, there was no, like, you know, like there's no roadmap. There's no roadmap (laughs) on to like the gear to wear and how to like have a better time to progress. And I feel like all of us that are way into the sport, it's you're addicted to progression. And sometimes that learning curve of figuring out, you know, what gear to wear to stay dry and stay comfortable, what goggles to wear so that you have good visibility on those crummy days. It's like make the best out of every opportunity riding and have fun with your friends and you build those bonds. And so in talking to people at shows and events and you can share that, either share the Mm -hmm. knowledge that you've gained over the years or they share something like you have a common ground to discuss things and it's, you know, it's cool. And then when they don't believe you, Since you do some photo shoot with us, you can be like, well, hey, look in the catalog. That's me. (laughs) That's me on this giant light box over here. One of the most satisfying things at the trade shows is that we don't sell direct to the consumer base. We try to push sales through our dealers if anyone's interested in gear. Yes, you can go on the website and order gear year round, you know, but when we're actually at shows, we're not sitting there selling to you. So when someone comes up and they want to know about something, I'm genuinely telling you like the tech features, like why this is good, like all those things. And then they're like, well, I'm just going to look around like, well, well, that's okay. Like I'm not forcing you to buy this. I just want to talk about it. Yeah. Are you serious? And then it like instantly switches and they're stoked that like you're taking the time to describe things and explain in detail about the product because I am passionate about it, you know, I feel like all of us are here and you do that. And then that person that was interested in that product is like, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad you hit on that. Cause yeah, we go to all those shows, everything you're talking about besides heydays and Epping. Um, and we're, we just display like yep. we're there to the goal is we're all big family. Like without the dealers, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. They're the ones that support us year after year. And obviously, like you said, we sell stuff on our site, but that's that's a small portion of the brand as a whole. Yep. But the goal there is, like like you hit on, is somebody comes in, they chat with us, 
figure out exactly what they need for what conditions they're riding and what they want to accomplish on the snow. And then one of our five, six, however many dealers that are at the show, they go right to them. They know what they want. They don't have to give them the whole sales spiel. They come in there, you know, cash in hand, ready to buy something and support our local dealer that's at that show. And that's pretty unique. I, I mean, I've made mental notes walking around on these shows. And there's not really any other manufacturer doing that. No. And it's awesome. Like being able to talk about our gear, like the Ignite S1s, you know, like trying to like learn about those. And like, yeah. there's so much going on with those goggles that like you sit there and you're talking about them. And then you're like thinking to yourself, did I forget? Like, okay, I check this off, check this off, <laughs> check this off. Oh yeah. And there's a shutter vent. And like, there's so much going on that like, even we forget sometimes because those, like sometimes the product is so advanced yeah. that like you need like a map or like someone to discuss and tell you all about it. That one specifically is funny for me cause I don't wear ignites, Yeah, but I know exactly how they work. I know the ins and outs of them. I know I totally understand people run them. I get it. Right. I just don't, I've just got really good over the years of goggle management. So half the people I'll occasionally get somebody call me out and be like, do you, do you actually wear these? And I'm like, let me be honest. I don't. And, but I understand why you might want them but in this you scenario. Product tested them. Right. And like, yeah. I'm the same boat. Man. And it's kind of funny. Cause some guys are like, okay, yeah, I need them. And they're, they're like, no, maybe I don't need them. And then some guy will like resort back to, well, we usually have like a 12 rack of Coors Light the night before and I'm breathing heavy. So yeah, I think I'm going to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I look at them always like, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, your vision is like the number one thing that you can do to become a better rider is have good visibility. If you yeah. can't see what you're riding, then how do you expect to progress and see things? And was adjust? that you talking about that? Or was that, I think it was Stephen Clark. He was talking about ignites on how, out of everything you're you're wearing, obviously, yes, you can get cold, you can you can be wet, whatever. But seeing at while you're actually riding, obviously, when you if you're standing still, you can take your goggles off. But being able to see where you're going, he's like, that's like the biggest game changer. That and possible. Deep races for me. Like, yeah, but as far I mean, literally, like you can't ride a snowmobile blind. I mean, you could yeah. in a giant field and you know, you got a headset on or, or something like snowing super hard. But when he said that, I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, you can, you can still ride and get yourself out in a blizzard if you're freezing your ass off. But if you can't see and you're fogged up and iced over, like yep. that is probably one of the most important things in the pack. Is it's having, like staying dry. You get what you pay for. You, you know, you, it's a little bit more of an investment, but you get what you pay for. You get those things, and then all of a sudden, you don't even realize it, but how comfortable you are, how warm you are, your visibility, and then all you have to focus on is your riding and having a good time instead of like, oh, I got to stop and put another layer on. I got to switch out my goggles. I got to do this yeah. or that, and it's, you know, take all that out of it and just ride. Have fun, right. you know? Yeah, you're not worrying about your gear setup. It's it's You're not going, oh, I mean, it might snow later today, and that might put a damper on the day or visibility. Like, if once yeah. you have a setup dialed, you can just go out and worry about what the sled's doing yeah. and how you're riding it. And you don't have to even bat an eye at what you're wearing. Yep. So um, on that topic also, trying to unpack all the things you do and maybe you forget some of them too. You've been able to even from the moto side to the snow side, do like product testing behind the scenes. Yep. 
which is pretty cool. I mean, firsthand, I, you and I do quite a bit of that. And it's a pretty rewarding thing to figure out what's working and what's not and then see it come to production. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I even feel like our company specifically goes a step further than that. And when we have product come out year one, maybe we have to do some refinements on it, but we do and we listen to our consumer base and we value that like feedback, you know, because there's only so many like times we can have product tested in-house before it goes to market. And, you know, there's what, like 10 of us or so that are product testing these things, maybe more. But when you get it out there to the consumer and then you're having hundreds of people do it, then you get that like valuable Intel that then you can refine the product. Like, you know, yeah. each year you see it get better and better and just like a little bit tweaked, I should say. Yeah. You know, a prime example of that is I heard a guy at, I can't remember what show I was at. It was signing up to win a sled and there's like a 12 part questionnaire goes along with it. And it's like, what disciplines do you do? Just, just snow, moto and snow, whatever. Right. And then there's some follow-up questions of what's missing in your gear pack or in your gear bag. And a few other things pertain to that. And this guy said something. He was like, man, this is, I just want to sign up for the sled. I was like, you got 12 questions. And I went over and actually said something to him because I heard him saying it. I think it was at Heydays. And I was like, you know, yeah, I know it's a lot of questions, but all those questions, if you take note, are for the consumer, for us to make, it's for us and the consumer, but it's an opportunity for the consumer to send us information for us to design better product and stuff that they need in their bag. Or want. Yeah, yeah. and it's not like it's a annoying, like, give us your email and, you know, what types of things are you looking for? We'll send you whatever, ad campaigns on that jacket specifically. It's yeah. no, it's, it's what's missing, what do you need, what do you want changed, whatever. And we bring that all into a spreadsheet and go through all of those. Yep. It's super cool. I know, I know it's just it's just a unique way to like be hands-on for a consumer to give their feedback directly and then design team sees all of that stuff and it's a cool opportunity. Yeah, and they they take that into consideration and then boom, you have some new product developed that everyone is stoked on or just like can't wait to get their hands on to try it out. You know, and then there's those few people out there that are like god they developed my idea yeah yeah i wish i could follow up with those guys those guys are probably looking for a check though uh well phil you went from o3zx chassis to 22 matrix chaos yep so i went o3zx chassis 06 red yeah i'm sorry there was some stuff in between there you didn't you weren't riding the o3 two years ago when I first started here. Can you imagine I, if you were still riding the ZX up until two years ago? Right. <laughs> Do you remember our first heydays? And so I had wrecked my XM, got settled out on that. And then fast forward, working at 509, our first heydays together. Mm -hmm. I bring like 7,000 cash. I'm like, I got to get a sled. So I get, I don't even remember what year that. 16. 16 axis. And we're all, it's like me, you, Trent, a um, handful of us. And we're walking the swaps looking for a sled for me. And like, you're like, oh, there's one, there's one. And we're trying to cut through all these aisles. And then you and I are like leaning way over because we think we see one. 
And Trent's like, what are you guys just sneaking up on the sled? You think we'll get a better deal? <laughs> and we just started laughing. Like, we have no idea what we were doing. We're just not wanting to walk down that aisle. Like, I think that's one. I'm not sure. And he's like, don't spook it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then I had that access, put a turbo on that. We put that on in Revelstoke oh in the God. trailer. We put that on with a little propane heater with very poor ventilation in the trailer. The night before we rode... And then you were on the phone with Justin from Silver, could not get the computer to reflash the ECM. Yeah, we couldn't because, get good enough service. So then we, you call Caleb, and he was up there. So then we go, and it's like, what, 2 in the morning, and we go to where he's staying, and he comes out, hot spots his phone so you can tether to that with the computer, have <laughs> Justin on the phone, and it's like this like four-phase process to like get my sled reflashed. Otherwise, it's like... I'm either not riding or we're trying to put it back to Reverse stop. Reverse this process, yeah. Yeah. And for Justin, I was like five in the morning his time. Yeah. And we got it together. Yep, we did. That, that was, was a awesome. fun slide. Didn't you nuke that thing? Yeah. Spit yeah. a ring into the top end yeah. and just. I have like 2,000 miles on it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. Yep. And then from that to the 19, 850, and now 22. Um. Uh, you stoked for the season though? So stoked. Because you've picked up Phil, you're young, okay? <laughs> but this is this is meant in the nicest way possible. It's cool. I mean in the coolest way too. You're picking up, like you said, motocross, getting on the track at definitely like a later age in life to to get into that stuff. Oh yeah. And last year you started figuring out jumping snowmobiles and brake control and throttle control and doing Caleb Kasturki's jump clinic like all of this stuff and you run a 163 and now i think this season you got like the package to really push your riding a 55 chaos matrix slash like yeah i'm stoked for what you're gonna do this season because you got the big it's coming up <laughs> it's it's big four o's coming up oh yeah this year yeah. man this year it'll be 40 in april yeah um it, again i think it's like addicted to progression like you ride, you start figuring things out, you figure the gear out, start working on your riding. Um, and then you see videos of yourself or, or like you watch snowmobile videos, sled videos. And that's like what I did growing up watching snowboard videos is you're analyzing all those riders yeah. and you're watching them over and over and over again. And you're trying to figure out like foot position on the boards and, you know, looking with your head and all these things to like better your riding and just like, you know, like, and it's not like, I don't have nothing to prove, but I'm just addicted to progression. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. I just want to like do it and do it good, you know, work, like, sledding, family, everything, yeah, everything. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like I kind of like geek out on it. And, you know, like you said, with the snowmobiling and jumping, like that's always been, I feel like a part of me from wakeboarding and having, you know, a bag of tricks doing yeah. that and doing grass roots contests to snowboarding. And like, we used to go to this facility in Utah, you would drop in on freight rollers on a snowboard, like sketchy, <laughs> like plywood walls, <laughs> freight rollers to uh, like a snow lip to a foam pit. So like we were learning back rodeos, uh, back flips, front flips, and it, it was like, if I wish I still had the photos of this because it was, it got shut down pretty quick. <laughs> OSHA it, came in. <laughs> I don't know what the backstory is, but it was crazy. Um, and yeah, just like things like that to try to progress and like 
air awareness. Yeah. So I've always like, you know, kind of gravitated towards wanting to jump or shovel jumps and like, you know, I'm, and I feel like I take it like in baby steps. Like I, I want to feel comfortable and I'll, you know, I'll go to the track and I'll clear some jumps. I won't clear them all. Mm-hmm. I'll deck them, you know, or roll. Like I have nothing to prove, but I just have fun doing it. Yeah. And that's the same with snow, snowmobiling and the, the nothing to prove mindset though, I think is, is good because it's, it's a bit of a safety bench too. Cause totally. you're aware of your limit at that time. You're not trying to go bigger than your buddy and you're not trying to no. make the next sick I'm trying video. to hype them up. And like at the same time I get hyped up and yeah, it's like, couldn't care less. Like I, I that's what I'm into, what I have fun yeah. doing. And yes, I like pushing the envelope, but I feel like it's organized. You know chaos. your limits right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. And then, but slowly pushing your limit is a good tactic. I mean, you're not biting off more than you can chew and right. Like Hit, I, hitting the lip going, oh, no, this is this is way out of my comfort zone. What was that, two seasons ago that I went to Caleb's clinic, and then you invited me to go do the spring shoot in Wyoming, the boys down there, uh, Jay, Blaine, Scott, Maverick. A train wreck of a crew. Dude, I had an absolute blast, but, like, I sized up a jump. I decked the first one a couple times. I was like, oh, this is out of my league. Like, I'm not... I have nothing to prove. I'm out here. I'll, I'll help stack bricks all day. Like, had a blast. Climbed a tree, got some shots for you. But when it came down to it, like, it was, you know, out of my league. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. Right. Yeah, speaking of that shoot, there's a clip that's never been used where you're off camera and I'm just, like, shit talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Trent and I were on one. And Trent's like, doesn't he have to, like, go home and, like, take care of two kids and... And then Trent goes, yeah, isn't he like 40? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like, got to like coordinate some events and, you know, he should stay on the ground more often. And we never used a clip. I was going to put it in there, but I'm like, I can't bust Phil's balls Uh, that hard on, in the webisode. Yeah. But no, it's a good, it's a good mindset to be in is knowing when to call it quits. I mean, I I don't jump. I, I say that, but then if I get a pow day, like if it's a natural lip, all of a sudden I'll randomly be like, oh, I just went 75 feet. Like if the conditions align, but that's the same thing of knowing my comfort. But I'm the same way with that with like avalanche terrain. And you are too. But when I'm out there with the gang and you're like, oh, we got to get over to here. There's been a handful of times and I've been like, no, guys, sorry. I don't know if you want to call me a wimp, but like I don't feel comfortable going that way with all of us. And then normally a consensus is, yeah, you're right. Sorry, we're just rushing things. But, I mean, that plays in tunnel vision sometimes. And that plays in anything, yeah. Yeah, and we all do, but it's good to put yourself in check sometimes and yeah. push it, definitely push it, but do it, like, strategically. Do it, like, within your ability. Same thing with, you know, poking out onto a face that, like, you're coming through the trees and steep terrain, and just like you're saying, if it's untouched snow, you look for the signs and, you know, if you're not feeling it in your gut, you know, it's take the extra minute to go down around or, or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Take the alternate and same thing with hitting a jump and trying to progress. Like, yep, totally. If you're not feeling it. Just take a breather, reassess it. Like, yeah. Is maybe, this risk versus reward worth exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And yep. most of the time it's not, <laughs> right? which is why you should assess it. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, th- this goal or this year, my goal with you is bow ties, bow ties, and some hopovers. Yep, you got yep. the setup now. Yep. 
I think it's in the cards. I feel like I'm close. You get a whole four miles in that slide? Six. 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 We didn't get those until, what, May? Yeah. And then we went out. And then it was like, I already had a moto event, and I was just like, dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like full break-in process starting on a fresh sled this year. Yep. Just got to put on my uh, engine components, a few other things, and I'll be good to go. Well, sick. I'm stoked, dude. I'm hoping winter aligns here. And we finally ride more because yep. we've both been controlled chaos the last know, couple like of years. At my busy times of fall and then yours is, you know, full yeah. season because you're traveling everywhere to, you know, capture content and your whole deal. And then, like, it seems like we always ride quite a bit at the beginning of the season, a little bit during, like, you know, I'm like, where's David? I'll find you. Oh, he's here. Well, we have an event in this yeah, town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, late season. My phone works both ways. So, like, yeah. you can call me also. To I, plan. Do. I do. I uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me more to, to reach oh, out. Oh, your cell phone. Yeah. Like, I've been calling your office. Oh, that goes right shoot. to voice. That goes right to my cell phone, too. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, those are I'm going to start sending emails, teams, cell phone, work phone. Get out of my spam. Fax. <laughs> Fax <laughs> machine. <laughs> well, Phil, you anything else you want to hit on? I'm trying to think here. Um, I mean, we, I could, we could really unpack some road travels, but it's hard to come up with them on the spot. Yeah. See, we've always had a good time going through North Dakota. <laughs> some funny experiences there. We saw what the high speed pursuit going eastbound when we were driving back from Heydays. Yeah, we missed it by a mile probably. Yeah, had the spike strips out, yeah. but didn't see the car actually go over the spike strips. Um, I honk at cows. Um, don't know if anybody else does that. When I'm really losing it, just just a pure satisfaction of twenty <laughs> cows looking at me. I that's all it takes for me after fifteen hours in the truck. We the couple seasons ago we went up to Revy. And what it's five hours from my house straight to Revy and you've gone up there so much. Like, you know, when we're crossing the border, if we're going to make the ferry or not Mm -hmm. within minutes, like that is impressive. And the one time you and I were going up, we went up there. It was like a Thursday. You're like, Hey, do you want to go to Revy? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And literally like left work early. You picked me up. We drove up there and then you were like, dancing in the truck because you had to use the bathroom so bad yeah. i could not wait to get on the ferry just like oh my gosh freaking out and we pulled up like while it was loading yeah timed it perfectly yep. those are the little tricks of uh you know veteran status of yeah. things but <laughs> all right phil i appreciate the time dude um yeah we've had a lot of adventures and many more to come and you kick ass thanks man likewise you make the shows awesome you make the shows happen and I mean, like you said, there's a team behind you, but I would like to say one other thing on here. Sorry, go ahead. Cutting you off again. Um, How you were talking about in the chat, any of you out there listening, if there's an event you'd like to see us go to that I'm overlooking, like, please comment in the chat. You know, I try to dig in and look at snowmobile events, snow bike events, moto events, and we're up for going anywhere. And there's stuff, you know, like overload of information on the internet. So if there's anything that you'd love to see us at that we're not at, Please drop something in the comments and let us know so yeah. we can research it and see what we can come up with. Definitely. And we got a new rig yep. right now. We got a new rig and a new trailer being built. So we're going to have another one. So now we got more opportunity to spread out and be at more events in the future. So yep. one more thing for you to take care of and manage. 
<laughs> it's a whole new truck and trailer. Yep, yep. But yeah, it's good growth to see anytime there's growth that gets us out to, to more people. And that's awesome. So yeah, well, cool. Phil, we're going to pump you up on the social media because I know you give me crap about your loyal followers. No. If you guys would love to see a look into Phil's life, it's Phil with a PH. PH. <laughs> dot Chadwick419 on Instagram. There's some photos of you sending at the bike there that yep. make me concerned for you. No. But that was the the triple at Washougal. And the thing yeah, is. Does not fun. compute for me. Let's get Phil to, to 500. We're at 449. That's the goal out of this. Get him to 500. Uh, post some fun. You do post some fun stuff on the road, the behind the yeah. scenes, kind of all the traveling. And it's kind of a, you know, a different look into the life of 509. But thanks for sitting down, Phil. I know you literally right now have to go to the, set up for an event. Yeah, to yeah, the fairgrounds show this weekend. Yeah, so pumped on that. And then those listening again, you will have time this coming weekend. Um, is the Boise Nampa snow show last one of the year in the West, I believe. Yep, last one for the fall tour. So if you guys are around, that is, that's just, is that a Friday, Saturday show? It is. Friday, Saturday, the, oh boy, 18th, 19th? I think so. I'm just spitballing numbers out here. Let me check. Yep, 18th, 19th of November. If you guys are in the area, Phil, you'll be there? I'll be there. Swing by the booth. Um, Say what's up to Phil. He'll help you out with any gear. And then we're done for the year on shows and off to the mountains. Yep. Start riding. Sick. I'm ready. Well, thanks, buddy. Appreciate everything you you do here. Appreciate the time. We'll have you on again soon sometime. Cool. Uh, Everybody listening on Spotify and Apple, appreciate all those five-star reviews. They help a ton with the algorithm and push this out to more people so we can keep doing this. YouTube, uh, Toss us a like, subscribe, um, leave a comment. That's where we're able to engage with you guys more on on this podcast specifically. Also, we're going to start this weekend is the first webisode being filmed for this upcoming uh, YouTube series. So first one's going to be up in BC with the BC boys because they're spoiled and get all the good snow early. And then we're going to start cranking hopefully 12 to 14 of them this winter. So hit subscribe there and keep an eye on it because we got a ton coming and we will see you guys again in two weeks.